Hi, it's DeWire. It is May the 20th, 2021. Gamblersadvisory.com, a free site. Bettingangle.us, a free site. Let's talk about the de facto heavyweight tournament that we're about to have. But first, remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Now, the WBO, the sanctioning body that has Oleksandr Usyk as its mandatory, right? He's been the mandatory for the WBO since 2019, has demanded that its champion, Anthony Joshua, give them a reason why he should not be ordered to fight Usyk next. Right? Understand the problem Joshua has. He can no longer say that he's under contract to fight Tyson Fury next. Right? Because Tyson Fury, of course, is fighting Deontay Wilder. So you're going to have problems, folks. You're literally going to have a heavyweight tournament, whether the promoters know it or not. I believe Joshua, to maintain credibility, is going to have to fight Usyk. I believe that Fury, as ordered by the court, is going to have to fight Wilder. Right? They've already reserved the stadium where the Raiders play in Las Vegas to have that match. I believe it's July 24th. Right? Let's face it. We know what's going to happen. The winners of those matches are going to ultimately end up fighting each other. That's the way free markets work, right? The fans want to see the best. If Usyk beats Joshua, the fans are going to want to see Usyk against the winner of Fury Wilder. Any plans, they could have been the best made plans. To have Fury fight AJ with both getting at least $75 million are going to go out the window. Let's talk about the fights. First, let's talk about the AJ Usyk fight. You know, I know many people are viewing AJ as being back in the saddle. He won the Andy Ruiz rematch. We're forgetting the fact that he still doesn't have an edge on Ruiz in terms of career matchup, right? Ruiz is 1-1. AJ is 1-1. But, of course, that rematch has given AJ the opportunity to move on, right? As long as he fights big-time players, mandatories, or other champions like Tyson Fury. We, the boxing public, will say, well, you know, he's back in the saddle. He has moved on. Here's the problem. There's scar tissue with the public. In other words, we remember that first Ruiz fight. I know it sounds a bit odd. I know you have a fawning boxing press out there. But the bottom line is we view AJ differently. Right? His punch is not in question. Even in the fight to Andy Ruiz that he lost, he drops Andy Ruiz. 
But his boxing ability is now in question. And now we're hearing that his trainer, the guy he was looking at when he gets off the canvas against Andy Ruiz, right, McCracken. We're hearing that McCracken is going to be working with other commitments. I believe he's involved with the UK's amateur boxing team and won't be able to give Anthony Joshua his undivided attention. Has anyone figured out that Joshua is about to fight one of the best pure boxers in the entire sport of boxing? Let's look at the Usyk resume. Olympic gold medalist, undisputed cruiserweight champion, unbeaten today, mandatory contender in the heavyweight division since 2019. Right, folks, if you, like me, have questions about AJ's boxing ability, Right, his ability to win rounds when he doesn't hurt you, when he doesn't knock you down, when you're upright, and it's not fighting, it's actually boxing. If you have doubts about the reasoning behind AJ letting Kubrat Pulev back in the fight, Right? Subscribers here know I question AJ so much at times that I pick pull F to pull the upset. Right? AJ proved me wrong. The way he did so, of course, was by knocking pull F down. Let's remember, pull F gets off the canvas. He's semi-conscious and somehow is able to box his way back in the match. If you're wondering whether that would happen, if AJ was a little bit more confident in his boxing skills, was a little savvier in his boxing skills, then you have to wonder what's going to happen in this fight. I know the public disagrees with me, and that's fine. Right? But Derek Chisora, a guy who brings the heat in the first 40% of a fight, a guy who is so relentless that he tires himself out by the halfway point of the fight. In my opinion, was a tougher opponent for Alexander Usyk than the more cautious, the more measured Anthony Joshua. Because against Derek Chisora, Usyk didn't have room to operate. He understood he needed to move. He didn't have time to set up a shop, set up a pocket, and show us, hey, I'm more mobile than this guy. I'm slicker than this guy. Folks, he's going to have that time against Anthony Joshua. Right? Let me say this, too. Joshua's a different fighter in the Andy Ruiz rematch. Joshua's moving away from Andy Ruiz. Andy came in bloated. Andy doesn't have a lot of foot speed. He has the fastest hands in the heavyweight division. He doesn't have the fastest feet in the heavyweight division. 
Well, guess what? Usyk can move. Right? That takes the Joshua strategy in the Ruiz rematch off the table. You know what? Joshua also has been working on his jab. Right? Can we agree that that jab is still a work in progress? Do you think against a mobile, former undisputed cruiserweight champion that Joshua's jab is going to land with any kind of regularity? I don't. Joshua does have an excellent left hook. I'll give him credit on the left hook. But you and I know we can't throw it that often because he gets tired. You and I know a deeper truth. He doesn't trust himself when he gets tired. You notice everything was going right for him in the Kubrat Pulat fight. Revisit that fight. Everything's going right. Kubrat Pulev, the older opponent, has been dropped, right? Is so beaten up, he's turning his back to Anthony Joshua. Big no-no in boxing, right? But you understood that Joshua had thrown a number of punches. So then you notice that Joshua then comes out and against a beaten up older opponent is hesitant to continue to throw a lot of punches. Folks, the person who doesn't trust Anthony Joshua's stamina is Anthony Joshua. Now he's going to fight Usyk, who's going to force him to move. Right? Isn't the knock on Usyk the idea that he might not be strong enough to be a heavyweight? That he was moving away from Derek Chisora. That he couldn't stop Derek Chisora. Well, understand, when you're the mandatory and you're fighting the champ, we're going to view that fight differently. Right? If Usyk against Joshua makes it, to the second half of the fight. And if Joshua hasn't significantly slowed down Usyk, knocked him down, have him looking like Kubrat Pulev looked, then we're, we're going to be watching the fight and we're going to think, wow, Usyk is still in this? Right, folks, I'm just telling you, I know Joshua is very popular. Canelo-level popularity. But deep down, no one roots for Goliath when he's up against the David. If you see a guy who is viewed as an underdog, now understand how preposterous that is. Usyk, unbeaten, Olympic gold medalist. He even has a gold medal like Joshua, right? Is still unbeaten, went to the UK, destroyed Tony Bellew. That's one of the few fights where at the end of the fight, you were thinking to yourself, Wow, is Tony okay? Is Tony going to be able to speak in sentences? Well, of course, this is that rare moment where a guy who would be viewed as Goliath in other contexts, right? Cruiserweight fight. You could imagine Usyk, we'd be saying, oh, he's Goliath, right? This is that rare fight where he's viewed as David.
right? The problem with being AJ is that at a certain point, you can't make your fans happy. The expectations become too big, right? I'm telling you, Canelo is almost at that point. We've given Canelo a bit of a pass because Canelo has come up to 168 from lower weight classes, right? So we're saying, oh, gee, Canelo at 168, and he's taking on Callum Smith, right? There's going to come a time where people are going to reevaluate, where Canelo is going to look like Goliath, and fans are going to start to rebel. Folks, I'm just telling you, in boxing... It always happens. We'll root for a guy on the way up. But if he gets too high up, we'll then start throwing darts at him. Right? So, I feel this AJ, uh, this AJ Usyk fight has red flags all over it. Right? All over it. AJ, in recent fights, right, hasn't looked dominant against a skilled boxer. Let's remember, Andy Ruiz, as out of shape as he was in the rematch, goes the distance in the rematch. He's completely lucid at the end of 12 rounds. Right, Kubrat Pulev isn't as lucky, but Kubrat Pulev gets dropped early, What's he doing lingering for several rounds? Right? In neither of those performances would you look at AJ and say, my goodness, that was masterful. Right? The opening is there for Alexander Usyk. Let's also talk about the ages. And it's a big problem when you're talking about having guys step aside for other fights. You're Usyk. You've been the mandatory since 2019. You're now in your mid-30s. Why would you step aside? For anyone. Right? Think it through. You know, this is even a best-case scenario for him. Because rather than have Joshua fight Fury, get stripped of the WBO title, and then have Usyk have to fight Joe Joyce to get the title. So hardcore boxing fans would say, you know, he got the title, were he to beat Joe Joyce, but he did so without beating the champion, right? He did so without beating AJ. Now we would get the legitimacy of actually facing AJ. If he beats AJ, then even the AJ fans are going to say, well, he's the champ. Right? I'm just telling you, I'm not sure if Buster Douglas beats Mike Tyson if the guys were to fight another three times. But he did that night. <laughs> and so Tyson fans could have thought to themselves, you know, Mike's still the best in the division. That's fine, but he wasn't the champ anymore in the division. That's the dilemma Joshua faces, and let's face it too. If Joshua does a pivot, 
If he says, nah, man, I'm not going to fight Usyk. Right? I'm going to wait for Tyson Fury. Folks, that's going to be unchampionship-like behavior. I'm sure the fans backing AJ want to believe that he is the baddest man on the planet. By the way, that's who the heavyweight champion is. Right? You say he's the baddest man on the planet. You're not talking about a middleweight. You're talking about the heavyweight champion. Right? So, I'm sure AJ understands. If he doesn't fight Usyk, whatever doubts that exist about him are going to magnify. Now, let's talk about the other fight. Right? Again, this is a de facto tournament. By that I mean, it's not like promoters got together and said, hey, let's call this a tournament sponsored by Showtime. Right? Let's have an elimination tournament in the heavyweight division. No, this is just the way it's played out. A judge has said, Tyson Fury, you have no good reason not to honor the contract you signed with Deontay Wilder. Right? Let me also pause here and give some recognition to one of the major players in boxing over at least the last three decades. Now, there are different levels of power. There are the people who are in the paper. You hear about them. Right? They have status you don't see behind the curtain. They're the people in front of the curtain. Right? They have a certain level of power. But then you have, to me, real power behind the curtain. Right? These are the people who hardly ever give interviews. You don't know their names, but yet they're making it happen. Right? In the real world, there are politicians, and then there are the people we call donors, who actually support the politicians, who at times tell the politicians what to say, tell the politicians what their views are on certain issues. What interests them? Well, in the boxing world, the manager for Deontay Wilder is a guy named Shelley Finkel. That's a name you need to know. This is a guy who's not going to take a victory lap in the press. This is a guy who's not going to give a lot of interviews. But make no mistake, he just beat the daylights out of Tyson Fury and Tyson Fury's crew, right? Frank Warren, Bob Arum, all of the people who work so hard to negotiate the terms of their fighters' supposed upcoming match against Eddie Hearns, Anthony Joshua, right? It's Shelley Finkel who helped orchestrate this arbitration argument and ruling in Deontay Wilder's favor. Now let me say this about Wilder, and this is just the way boxing is. We can talk about boxing skills, we can talk about who's gonna win rounds on the judges' scorecards, we can talk about who has more talent. Right, but this is a game where one punch can change everything.
right? Let's remember, Jersey Joe Walcott, generations ago, is beating up Rocky Marciano. <laughs> beating him up. They get to the 13th round or some round like that. Double check me. And Rocky Marciano, who's well on his way to losing the fight against the fighter he would name the toughest opponent he ever fought against after he retired. Rocky Marciano, while getting beaten up, throws a six-inch punch, six inches, and it ended Jersey Joe's reign. It preserved Marciano's win streak. It gets Marciano the heavyweight title. Now, Deontay Wilder can lose, literally, 11 of 12 rounds. If he just lands once that right hand, and let me let you in on a secret, you could be fighting a great defensive fighter. Over 12 rounds, if you have a great right hand, if you have a great punch, you're going to come close to landing it flush at least once over those 12 rounds in a typical fight. Right? Let's remember, Wilder lands that punch and drops Fury in two different rounds the first time they fought. Fury, by his own admission, is out cold for part of the 10 count in the 12th round. He opens his eyes mid count and then is able to get up at the count of nine. That's how close Wilder came to beating Fury. Wilder is one Rocky Marciano punch away from putting himself back right in the middle of the heavyweight division. Right now, I see Fury dominating Wilder. I can sit here and tell you I feel Fury, of all of these fighters I've named, is the best. Right? I think Fury is the best heavyweight I've seen in several years. I don't care that Wilder has signed on with Malik Scott as his new trainer. Right? Malik Scott, let's face it, great jab, mover. It's too late for Wilder, who's already in his 30s, to make a decision that he's going to fight Fury on his back foot. Right? Let's be real here. Fury moves better than Wilder. Wilder can come up with whatever new emphasis on the jab that he wants. He'll be playing right up Fury's alley. Right? Fury is a master at movement. Let's also be as blunt as we can here. Sometimes you see a fighter and he's talking a lot of nonsense and you understand that talking nonsense is part of the sport. Right? Guys are promoting a fight. Guys are saying the craziest things possible. You understand they're selling tickets. You understand they're getting themselves riled up. They're getting their team riled up. They're getting their fans riled up. The fans are caught up in the moment. Fighters will say the craziest things possible. But there's a difference between that kind of crazy, in my opinion, and the kind of stuff that Wilder was saying after he lost.
to Fury in the rematch. Right? Let's talk about the idea of paranoia. Right? You mean to tell me that a fighter is crazy enough to believe that in a televised fight where there are thousands of people in the arena, this is before COVID, there are hundreds of thousands of people watching the pay-per-view event? You mean to tell me a fighter thinks that a trainer that he's had <laughs> for several fights, a trainer who's been part of his championship run, his team, may have drugged him? What's going on there? What about this one? A fighter who gets dropped, then is getting pummeled, right? Literally pummeled is getting hit with shots and stuff like that, is upset that his corner waved off the fight. Okay, fine. Right? Some guys believe, look, you know, you're going to have to carry me out of the ring. I'm a warrior. I'm going to fight to the end. Okay, I understand that warrior spirit. But wow, what I want you to do is to go back and look at Wilder's comments. He seemed to feel that the decision to stop the fight was part of some conspiracy. Some kind of effort to stop him. Now, maybe I'd buy that if he were Tyson Fury in the fight. If I saw Wilder knock down Fury, and I see Wilder punishing Fury, and suddenly Wilder's own corner says, hey, we're pulling the fight, I would understand. If Wilder said, hey, man, what... What's up with this? Folks are stabbing me in the back, not giving me a chance to win. But that's not what happened. Wilder was the guy getting pummeled. Wilder was the guy bleeding out of an ear. Wilder was the guy getting shellacked. So, I believe the question has to be asked. Right? Mental health is part of life right you, you've had some boxers who've had some mental health problems is Wilder mentally ready for a third fight against Fury let's remember there's been no test run fight he hasn't fought anyone since losing to Fury understand the significance of that loss too Wilder entered the ring unbeaten. That's his first loss. A lot of guys have a hard time with that. Up until that point, they've been special. They've been invincible. Now suddenly, Wilder has a loss. And guess what? His next fight is against the guy who just beat the daylights out of him. We don't even have to talk about the scorecards for that fight. Because without even keeping score, you knew watching that fight that Fury was having a field day on Deontay Wilder. Let me just tell you, when the fight ended, I remember my first thought was, who? <laughs> you know, glad that fight ended. 
Wilder gets to live for another day. Right? I didn't I didn't feel at the time as if the quarter was completely out of line. That Wilder was on the verge of turning that fight around. That Wilder had any kind of momentum whatsoever. So I'm expecting Fury to put on a dominant performance. But let's also be careful here. Right? We saw a fight. Fury Otto Wallen, Where Fury had an eye cut that was gushing. Right? Let me just say, had the referee in that fight said, I'm stopping the fight because of the bleeding, Fury, in my opinion, wouldn't have had sufficient grounds for appeal. You know, let's just say his cornerman did a remarkable job stopping the bleeding, but even the stopped bleeding only lasted about 15 seconds into the next round. Now, the reason it's important is sometimes a fighter builds up scar tissue. Right? Just understand the timing here. Even if Fury wins the fight, if Wilder is able to get Fury's eye bleeding, that could impact this boxing tourney. In other words, let's say Joshua beats Usyk. Right? So he's available. He's available to get that $75 million site fee, but the fight would have to be moved back to the latter part of the year. Right? Well, you can't do that. If Fury's cut, and it takes some time for the cut to heal. Right? The public needs to know, especially on a heavily bet-on event like this, that when the guys enter the ring, one guy isn't already bleeding. Right? If I'm the person paying the site fee, you better damn well have two healthy fighters show up. I don't want a guy entering the ring and he's already bleeding and I'm thinking, what? You know, I've paid the site fee so the people at my establishment get to see A-plus level entertainment. Right? If I'm paying a site fee of $150 million, I better get A-plus level entertainment. It's not A-plus if one guy enters the ring already hurt. In any event, I expect Fury to dominate Wilder again. I'll be surprised if that fight goes the distance. I'm expecting Fury to be aggressive, to win that fight by stoppage. I think the first fight set the tone. I thought Fury won the first fight, only to get ripped off by the judges. I get the feeling against this opponent, Tyson Fury wants to leave, no doubt. Right? The Joshua Usyk fight. Because there's the folklore out there that Usyk is too weak for the heavyweight division. That Derek Chisora roughed up Usyk, who was lucky to leave the ring with the win. Right, I read some article where David Hay was saying that Usyk's own corner told him they thought their guy lost the fight. I believe that's a profit-making opportunity. I'm expecting AJ to be overrated for that fight. Part of my betting portfolio is going to be 
on Usyk. I'm guessing I'm going to get at least a plus 250 or a plus 300 on Usyk. What I want the boxing press to do is to interview people like Maris Breedis, people who Usyk fought, Glowacki, people who Usyk fought at Cruiser, and just ask them, hey, you're getting a plus 300 on Alexander Usyk. Is that the side of the bet you're going to bet on? I'm guessing the old cruisers are all going to say, of course. Usyk, as an underdog, sign me up. Right? I believe that side of the aisle is going to offer competitive value. Let me close by saying this, too. Fighters need to realize that the future is always uncertain. I'm not going to point fingers here. But there was a moment in time when there was an opportunity for a big fight. Not Fury Joshua, but Wilder Joshua. Right? Those two guys could have fought each other. I believe most fans would have viewed the winner of that fight as the heavyweight champion of the world. Right? A lot of questions could have been put to bed. You know the rest. We got caught up in some conversation on whether 40% was enough for the challenger, whether there was a challenger in a unification fight, right? Uh, you know, whether if one guy crossed the ocean and fought in the other guy's backyard, he was entitled to 50% and stuff like that. The guys argued over what was obviously, in hindsight, minutia. Right, Lennox Lewis came out and said, hey man, just make it 60-40 and be done with it. Right, get this fight happening. Because he understood, when you wait, these fights have expiration dates. Now Deontay Wilder has to be a superior fighter, Tyson Fury, to get back to where he was. Now Anthony Joshua has to face an unbeaten Olympic gold medalist who was undisputed at Cruiser and who already destroyed Tony Bellew who beat David Hay twice just to get back to where he was. Now suddenly you have Tyson Fury and Usyk in the mix. In other words, if history ever gets back to a point where the two baddest men on the planet are Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua, let's hope they have the common sense to sign the dotted line to make the fight happen, right? Arguing over percentage points when the fight is going to already net you at least eight figures is foolish. Anyway, that's how I see it. Let me hear from you. I hope you leave your comments and your predictions in the comment section of this YouTube video. Thanks for stopping by.